Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member-owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Welcome back to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op. If you like horses, if you're a horse person, this is going to be a good episode you might want to listen to today because it pertains to who our guest is. Our guest is Mrs. Hannah Corn. Hannah and her husband own and operate Redemption Ranch, a nonprofit organization located right here in Robertson County that uses horses and traditional farming to promote healing, communication, restoration, and love. Got that right off the right off the website, Hannah. Hannah, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. And I've, uh, golly, we set this up like a month ago, the appointment to do this. And uh, I, a couple weeks I was thinking, I'm like, I, Hannah's, Hannah's coming on here to talk about this. And I thought it was the 1st, February the 1st, what we scheduled. So I started panicking because it was like that day. Then I went back and looked at our conversation. It was the 5th. So I've been looking forward to this, what y'all are doing, because uh, when when I first heard of Redemption Ranch, um, one of our customers here, he was he was talking about um, it was either Isaiah one seventeen house or the Open Door Pregnancy Center, and then he mentioned y'all, Redemption Ranch, and uh, I I'd, I'd heard of it, but I didn't know who was operating it. Her own didn't come to find out. It's you. So I said, I got to get her on here if she's agreeable, which thankfully you were. So here we are. Awesome. You know, the the co-op has been so supportive of us. Um, every year we have a couple needs that we need met and the co-op has just jumped right in and come alongside us and been able to help us with just different items that we need for our animals and the horses. And it's a huge help. And they've just been so supportive, just like the rest of Robertson County and the community. here. It's, so a it's been really awesome. Mutually beneficial relationship yeah. that we have with each other. So let's get started by, you know, for people that don't know what exactly is Redemption Ranch? So Redemption Ranch is a a place for healing. It's a place for youth that are struggling with their mental health to come and um, find hope and healing through horses, through agriculture-assisted therapy, and just the hope in Jesus Christ. And so we're 100% volunteer-led. Nobody, it's completely free for kids to join um, and come just because mental health is such a huge issue I mean, not only in our community, but around the United States, around the world right now. And it's really hard for parents to find resources, much less affordable resources for their youth. And so we just stepped into this as a resource for our community and surrounding communities to be able to hopefully meet that need. Well, like you said, uh, mental health, it is a massive issue, you know, for for the youth and for adults just in general nowadays, because the society in which we live in it doesn't really bode well for your mental health there's so many distractions and you know screens when you're talking about because it's really easy to do mm-hmm. i'll find myself i don't have social media or anything but like youtube shorts if you find something interesting on there you just mindlessly flip through it and then you look Absolutely. down and you say oh my gosh 30 minutes have gone by yeah. and i feel terrible about myself so you know when in conjunction with that with 
all these other factors that uh, aren't really self-esteem building. It's a it's it's a crisis in a lot of ways. So the fact you're offering a place where you know let's you because you said youth uh, mm-hmm. in particular can come and have these hands-on practices that we're going to talk more about, but interact with uh, you know with with horses and livestock. They don't get opportunities like that in in society today. For sure. And, you know, we have groups that come um, from more of like the inner city area of Springfield that have really never left Springfield. And so when they come out and they're able to get their hands in the dirt and even brush horses, you know, they're not that's not even including getting into our program. And it's just such a huge opportunity for them um, to be able to have that that opportunity and just get out in nature and enjoy that. They've never been around anything like that in their life. So mm-hmm. when they come, I mean, that's a powerful experience when you're exposed to it. For sure. Uh, especially, you know, when you're talking about teenagers that, like you said, have never really, they're more used to concrete than they are soil. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just don't have those opportunities. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk more about this. What led to the creation of redemption? Where did this idea come from? Was this something in the works for a long time? It or? was. So Redemption Ranch... It really started, I was, gosh, maybe 14, um, and I had a cousin who just dealt, dealt with so many different issues. I mean, self-harm, she had eating disorders, she had other things that were being misdiagnosed, and as a really young person, and she was three, four years younger than I was, she was just struggling with so much, and I didn't really understand how to help her best. And I just thought, gosh, I just want to help people like this in my future. And so as I got older, um, I realized that that's when kind of equine therapy or equine assisted psychotherapy became a little bit more um, on the table. It was more out West in the U.S. And by the time I got college age, I was able to find a program that I could go into equine assisted therapy. Um, And they had an agricultural missions side to that as well. And so I was able to combine the agriculture and the equine and kind of study both of those in school. But it took a long time from the the idea of Redemption Ranch and college to what it is now. I really wasn't sure if it was ever going to come into fruition. Um, and it took many years for that to happen in between that. And my husband and I bought our farm in Robertson County five years ago. And I thought, you know, I'll just start myself with just a couple kids here and there. As long as we can offer it to somebody. I mean, we didn't have fences. We didn't have a barn. We didn't have anything. And so I thought if I can just offer it to a couple kids, just me and the kids after work, um, then at least I'll be helping somebody. But it became the need is so much bigger than that. But also the community was so supportive of that. And so we opened and I thought we would have a couple kids and immediately the need was just so overwhelming but the volunteers and the help that we had was also able to help us grow a lot quicker than we anticipated which was really cool Mm -hmm. so you you had this heart for wanting to serve and and help in a capacity you know people that were struggling mentally and then you know, with your did you did you grow up on a farm? You or your husband? Did y'all have an ag background? A little bit, not like a, a working farm, but we grew up around you know with animals and stuff. I grew up with horses. I grew up riding. Um, 
a lot of pasture and land sure. and kind of a more of a homesteading um and that's what my husband and i do now and that's kind of we share that with redemption ranches we homestead um and do sustainable agriculture and so that's kind of the way that we grew up well the na- last name like corn that's very appropriate <laughs> yes i work at the extension office and everybody who walks in and sees my last name is like that's such a great last name it's a, to work in agriculture. It's a cool last name. Has he ever looked up like the origin of that? Like what country or region no that idea. comes from? That's a fantastic <laughs> last name. So, you know, when you, you, you combine this experience with horses, um, teamed up with your your heart for wanting to help people with that were struggling with, with mental issues – you know, did it just kind of, did the idea come together? Like, you know, horses, there's something magical about them. I'll admit, I was I was raised up around them when we used to ride, and there's something about being in close proximity to one that it's it's a magical experience where, and you, you tell me if you agree or disagree with this, but when you're, it's one of those things when you're in the presence of one and you're working with it, maybe not necessarily riding it, but when you go up and you touch it's, touch its mane and touch its fur and rub its head. It's kind of like you forget everything else that's going on. For sure. I mean, it also is beneficial that horses don't really talk back. And so they're Mm. great listeners. Um, They're huge and powerful animals. Um, And so learning to communicate with them um, and learning those communication skills and learning self-acceptance and impulse control. You know, you Mm. can't just run up to a horse. You can't be doing a lot of things that... Um, especially really young kids, we foster and both of our kids have really hard time with impulse control. They just want to run and do all the things. And so horses are great at teaching that, um, teaching trust and just communication in general. Um, they really are a great aid in being therapeutic and calming. Um, but also teaching a 1200 pound animal something new or them teaching you something is just really incredible because mm, i imagine you know when when you had this idea and you looked at your animals there had to be some you tell me if i'm wrong was there some training that had to take place for the animals before you know the interaction with with say small children that had never been around them before or were they just naturally inclined to a little bit we Two of my horses kind of got brought into the program when it started, two of my personal horses. And then we rescued a horse and a miniature donkey. And they've had to have a lot more work um, and we're a lot more careful with them just because they both need a lot more teaching Mm -hmm. to be. But the kids help with that too. And we let the older kids are able to do a little bit more. And we have amazing youth volunteers who come and ride sometimes and just help teach the horses some skills to make sure. safety a little bit more easier. Sure. That makes sense. So 2019, that's when y'all, that was the the, yeah. the year that y'all opened up mm-hmm. essentially. So, you know, leading up to it, was it, um, it was obviously something that was put on your heart from, from a long time ago, but when it was right there in front of you, like, oh my gosh, this is, this is about to happen. Uh, you know, talk, tell me about what it was like when you first opened up as far as, you know, I, I guess social media nowadays, that's how you put the word out there about what you're doing. But you were kind of talking about it, and there's such a massive need for this. And besides y'all, I'm sure there's probably some more around here as far as equine therapy for, for troubled youth, that kind of thing. But 
I mean, is there, as far as the demand for it, was there just such a massive demand where you said, you know, this is, this is it, this is what we're supposed to be doing? You know, it's something that I wanted to do for so long, and Robertson County is where my husband suggested that I guess we move just because he really liked the area. He's from here. I'm from Kentucky, so I didn't really have much knowledge on the area at all, but um, it's more so that people just need resources, and mm. I don't know that it was our specific spro- program that spoke to them, but they were just, people are desperate for help for their kids mm. um, and looking for resources to help their kids that are going through so many different things. And it's not necessarily um, one specific thing. I mean, we see a lot of anxiety, we see a lot of depression, but we see even grief and anger and um, just a lot of different things that kids deal with now. Mm. And so, it's not necessarily like one thing that we see a lot of, but it's a really wide variety. And we have kids from ages 6 to 18, and some years we've had mostly older kids come in, and then other years they're really young. And so, um, but we we started it just based on we had the property. Um, there was a girl that I used to teach horseback riding to, and she was in Eagle Scouts, and she needed to do a project. And I gave her little things, like if you want to build a picnic table or something, you can do that. The big project that we need right now is an arena. And she was like, that's the one that I'll choose. And so she ended up coming out and raising money and building our entire arena. And so mm-hmm. it was cool when you think like, okay, we're just going to start small, and when we raise enough money, we'll just do this and this. And people were like, no, let us help you. And so with that, we were able to kind of jump in and do a little bit more, which was really cool. We were able to raise money for our barn in the first year. I mean, we just had kind of a fallen down shed on our property, and we were able to raise money for an entire barn. So, I mean, it was just awesome. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. And and, and meanwhile, um, your help, you're, you're giving these kids an opportunity to chip in and, and have this hands-on experience with improving the infrastructure that you have, which that's that's fantastic. When uh, when you see a young person come out with you know some sort of mental health and they let's say they interact with a horse for the first time in their life, is it immediately noticeable? You know, because you've been doing this a, lot, a long time now, several years. Is it noticeable? Like right then, you can tell a change in their demeanor or with some does it take more time than others or what's that like there's definitely times that it takes a lot longer than others and um, we've had teens that come out and i feel like with them it's a little bit more noticeable um just more right off the bat when they have time and there's peace in their life mm. and you can see that a lot faster younger kids it definitely takes a lot more time um they have so much going on movement-wise and in their minds and their bodies. And there's just a lot going on to kind of get them in the right place. And some kids aren't don't love horses at first. Mm. I mean, they're really intimidating. And so sometimes we'll do more agriculture. We have a greenhouse that South Central Growers donated to us and built for us. And we have a garden and we teach a lot of different um, types of gardening. So vertical gardening and in-ground and um, container gardening and no-till gardening and all these different ways. And so some kids much rather go out and pick green beans than they would be with the horses. And so we try the best that we can to work with it how the kid is best going to learn mm-hmm. yeah different different strokes for different folks you know like you said horses are 
intimidating whether you've been around them or not you know if you're if you're a little kid and like you mentioned earlier the impulse control you know you have to be calm around them for Mm -hmm. the most part and and it's a discipline i imagine that they're probably not used to but at at the same time you know you're talking about a a massive animal where yeah if you can get, get them out in the garden picking different vegetables that you've grown or just digging in the ground that's that's big medicine to them because, mm-hmm. like you talking about inner city kids, they've probably never been around that before. Um, you mentioned so this is it's it's a nonprofit, and this is if if a parent was interested in reaching out to you and say, you know, I'm, I'm I'd like to maybe look into getting my daughter or son into this. What is the what's the process look like for them? So we on our website, which is redemptionranchtn.com, we have an application on there, and they just have to go on, fill out an application. I reach out to them immediately saying whether there's a space open, when our sessions are going to start, if there's a waiting list. I just communicate with them right away, kind of where we're at, um, because we do two 12-week semesters, and then we have a program in the summer that's a little bit different during the wonderful Tennessee heat that we have and so they just have to go on our website and fill out that application and then I reach out to them um, and kind of get things set up from there so there's there's designated times this isn't like a year-round thing where you just kind of fall right in it's it's a, a two-week semester you 12 say weeks. 12 weeks yeah. okay so it's it's a uh, it's structured it in is that way. so my husband <clears throat> and I both work full-time um, so it makes it hard to be full-time, plus kids go to school. And so we do it in the evenings um, with our volunteers and us as well. And we just we line it up to where it's kind of a class that they, they join. And so we're able, we only have so many horses because we have very limited amount of land. And so we set them up in a class where they come for an hour and a half a week for the 12-week semester. And they are with other kids that are around their age, maybe dealing with similar things as them. Um, And we do their classes together for that semester. And then based on um, how their parents or guardians feel, they can immediately join the next semester. Or we've had kids kind of more or less graduate from our program. They've been in the program for several semesters and they'll say, you know, I think we're ready to open this space up for another kid because the program has really helped us, and I think that we're able to to move on from it, which is what we want to see. You know, we have other kids that, as they've grown older into teenagers, they want to volunteer, which is also what we want to see. We want them to kind of come back and disciple other kids that are going through the program. So that's one of our major goals for sure. As far as the capacity, say in, you know, the way with the infrastructure you have available right now in one of these 12 week programs, you know, how many, how many kids can you take on during one of those? So we can only take 15 kids in a semester. Um, We have a little bit more room in the summer because we don't do the equine program. Um, we do a program called Koinonia, which means community, and they come and we do like a Bible study, a really cool like homesteading craft, and then we do agriculture and games. And so it's still mentoring and therapeutic, but we leave the horse portion out because it's usually, you know, 105 degrees. Out. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so. I bet. My goodness. So the in the summertime, we you typically leave the horses out. If, if someone was interested in the, the, the equine interaction, mm-hmm. they would have to enroll in one of those 
12 for week sure. semester. So I was, I was going to ask you how y'all, because uh, I knew you worked full time at the extension office, and I'm thinking, how do you balance that? Um, but it's obviously you make it work. You have to, but um, or is the the twelve week semester? As far as you know, the seven day week Monday or Sunday through Sunday. What? How many days a week is it? So we do weeks? three days a week right okay. now. Um, at some point, we may increase to four days a week. Um, if right now we're kind of raising money for land, and we don't know where that land's going to be. Um, we're going to stay where we are, but. And just for rotational grazing, if we can have more horses, we have people contact us all the time that are looking to rehome like a really incredible horse that mm-hmm. they have and say their kids have just are not, not interested in riding anymore. And so we have the opportunity a lot to take on other horses, but because we have such a small space, we're limited also on how many kids we can serve right. with the horses that we have. And so if we can in the future buy land really close to where we are for rotational grazing. We might be able to um, add a couple more horses, which in turn would help us serve so many more kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the 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 Lord works in ways like that that just seem out of reach for mm-hmm. us, you know, as human beings. But uh, you know, the fact you were you were doing this incredibly, you're, I mean, you're doing His kingdom work mm-hmm. essentially, and the fact that. You know, you, you look at this resource where this could really help us in the future grow what we're doing here. And uh, that's a wonderful thing. I'm excited to see what he does. For sure. For you know, when we started this, my husband was, first of all, not on board. And he'll, he'll, he'll tell anybody <laughs> that it just was not his jam. He thought, how in the world are we going to create a program and nobody's going to pay for it? You know, and we're supposed to do all this work and we need all this stuff to take care of the animals and to run our program. I just don't see how it's possible. And um, we went to kind of a similar ministry in Kentucky and he heard a lot of different people talk about um, their ministries that they have. And he was like, okay, maybe, maybe we can do this. And so that's, he finally was able to get on board and now he's super supportive of it. But we have had a lot of people tell us that we're, I mean, before we opened, they just flat out told us, you're not going to make it. Like, you can't run a program and not charge anything. And we just really felt the calling that we really didn't need to charge anything for what we had. And we've been incredibly blessed. I mean, people need that resource. And, um, you know, we really feel like we're serving the community in a way that we need to. So there's no there's no fee for this. For people that want to enroll their kids in it, but obviously, you got to have money to to, to for sure. do things that you want to do. Are y'all do y'all depend mostly or entirely on donations from the public? We do, and so um, we more recently we are a community partner with United Way now, um, and we have done like smaller community grants, but we don't take any federal grants or anything mm. like that. Um, We've spoken on a lot of church VBSs and some churches on Sunday mornings just to share about what we do. Um, but we also just talk to individuals, and people will find out about us and um, love what we're doing. And um, so we have people who support us in that way. We have fundraisers. Usually we do one or two large fundraisers a year. Ours last year was completely rained out and just completely different than anything we've had. But Generally, we do one huge barbecue fundraiser at our farm and have a lot of different activities for families to come. Um, And we have live music and things like that. And so 
we will be doing that again this year. Um, so we, there's definitely different ways that people can donate, um, even through our website. But you're 100% community funded. Does the human part of you ever have to, like, stop and paint yourself? Like, I can't believe this is happening. It's just because, you know, when, when people are, I don't know what it is. When you have a an idea that you're passionate about, uh Seem, it seems like a lot of times, more than more times than not, people can be discouraging for you know, and maybe their motivation is pure, but you're like, ah, you ain't gonna be able to make mm-hmm. it work. You know what I mean? And you know that you do hear that, and you take it in, and I, you know, it for me, it, it would cast doubt in my mind. It may not, it may not, y'all. But the fact that uh, you are making it work against the odds of that, do you ever have to stop and be like, I can't believe this is? This is coming true, my vision that I've had with this for so long. For sure, but it's also such validation because sometimes it's like, man, this is really a lot of hard work. We're really tired. You know, it's hard on our family, the scheduling. Like, it's a lot of work, but it's validation that, like, man, this is really where we're supposed mm. to be, and this is really what we're supposed to be doing. Um, and so it's really validating for that. I mean, and it's not us, you know, it's definitely a God thing, but mm. it's just like, this is really where we're supposed to be. That's a good feeling, you know. When you when you when you have something like what y'all are doing, and it's you're doing the Lord's work, you know. And why else are we here? Yeah. You know what I mean. At the end of the day, it's just it's a really wonderful thing to hear about, and and y'all are fostering at the same time. Mm-hmm. You said how many how many kids are y'all currently fostering? So we have two foster kids, and they've been with us for over a year now. Oh wow! Was that your first? Yeah. Okay. First experience foster. First experience. And what's what is that? What has that been like overall? Because fostering is something there's a massive need for. Yeah. Massive need for it, and you know, not, not everybody is meant to foster. I don't guess, but people that have a heart for it, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a it's so necessary, and there's such a massive need for it. So what what's yeah, that been so like? I remember looking up several years ago, and. Um, just how many kids needed foster care in Tennessee. And it was like 3,500. And I thought, gosh, that's so many kids in Tennessee that need it. Um, but I think last year when we started fostering, it was over 8,700 kids that needed foster care in Tennessee. And my husband and I haven't been able, um, haven't been blessed to have kids of our own. And it just was a realization that we thought, you know, maybe this is the route that we need to take. And I had fostered before when I lived. Um, I did mission work in Uganda, and I fostered over there. And um, that was before I met Jesse. And he was just really anxious to foster with kids in and out of our house and getting attached to him and things like that. And so we were really apprehensive to do it, but um, we had the opportunity for a long-term placement. And so we jumped in and did the classes as quickly as we could. Um, I think we were told about the kids that live with us now on like a Friday, and I think the classes started on Monday. Like it was, we had to make a really (laughs) quick decision. And so, um, and it was the same day that my husband was at the doctor, and they said, you know, you all are probably not going to be able to have kids of your own. And we got a call about these kids, and we were like, I guess we're doing this. And so we jumped in, and it's been an adventure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. It's so rewarding and it's so fun and um, we love it, but it is one of the hardest things that we've definitely ever had to do. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what what are their ages? They are almost five and six. Okay. Are they are they siblings? Mm-hmm. Okay. Two boys, two girls. Boy and a girl. Bo- uh, brother and yeah. sister. Okay. So. And wild as can be, the farm has been amazing for them and they 
love it. Well, and just the fact that, you know, they're five or six, they are of the age where they can get out there and help y'all do certain mm-hmm. things and participate in, in the program and what y'all are doing. And just, you know, obviously, the, I'm, I don't know the, the, the situation from which they, they came, but the fact that you opened your home and what you're doing to these kids, I mean, that's a, a ripple effect for, for generations. We definitely hope so. Um, it's been really cool. And like I said, they love the farm. Like, just to see them grow in that and we had some cows and sold those and they got a little bit of money from it because they help feed the cows and so they were able to use some of that money and they really wanted baby chicks this spring and so we've ordered those and every day they're like when are the baby chicks coming so it's been really cool um to watch them grow with that as well and at some point they are going to end up being in our program um for the same trauma and struggles that our other kids have they won't be with in my class but we hope that they'll be able to succeed from our program sure, as well sure and just the fact they have a place where they can run wild yeah for you know sure. what i mean kids are, are missing that now more than anything and the fact you provide that and you provide it for other kids uh it's just incredibly admirable to hear about what y'all are doing out there um as far as the horses because i you know i tried to look on y'all's website and educate myself the best that i could can you introduce introduce those horses? Sure. Who they are? Yeah. So we have um, we have a draft cross mare, and she her name's Jolene. She is feisty, but um, she was a rescue. She's the one that belongs to the ranch, um, and she's a lot of fun. But she still is. There's a lot of things she needs to learn as well, and so she. She's big and feisty, but she's absolutely gorgeous. And then we have Reba and Ray. Those are both horses that have belonged to me for a long time, um, and they've been they've been with us for a long time. I had Ray when he was three, and I think he turned sixteen this year. And so he was with me through college, and I kind of trained him to be a, a therapeutic horse from the beginning. Um, so. He's kind of getting up there in years, but it's really cool. And then Johnny Cash is a miniature donkey, and he's kind of our mascot. He's not sure if he's a miniature donkey <laughs> or a dog. When the other horses are out doing sessions, we just let him graze, and he runs around and walks up to people mm-hmm. to be pet and runs away from them if we're trying to catch him, of course. But he's a lot of fun, and all the really little kids usually start with him and and love him because he's he's really cool. That's a good starting place yeah. to work to work up to the. Mm-hmm. You said the first one was part draft horse. You said, yeah. Okay. She's huge. Oh, Belgium or Clydesdale? We're or? not sure. Um, with her being a rescue, we didn't really have a lot of background on her because mm. she's she's probably eleven now. But we got her when she was nine. We've uh, we used to have horses growing up, and we've got <clears throat> still got one left. Kylie, he's got to be 26, 27 years wow. old. But his uh, his mother was half quarter horse, half thoroughbred, and we had a neighbor at the time who had a full blooded Belgium, mm-hmm. and he got in and bred her by accident. Oh no! And uh, you know she she had the baby, so he's uh, he's quarter quarter horse, quarter thoroughbred, and half Belgium. That's cool. And he's huge, yeah. and he is rough to ride. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, we don't ride him anymore. He's retired yeah. now, but uh, they definitely have a lot bigger strides. So there's. It's definitely a little bit harder to oh, ride, they're, but they're so fun. And they're just, they're massive. Mm-hmm. You know, if they've got part drag. They're just, you, you walk up to them and it's uh, it's humbling, to say the least. So with the equine program, 
What does that tangibly look like? If you have 15 kids enroll in that, is it more of like an education? I'm sure it's education, but like the, the what's the, the start versus the end look like for them? Is it more of like an introduction to horses and then by the time it's over there, full-fledged riding the horse? Or what does that look like? Does it just kind of depend on the kids? It really depends on the kids. Um, we try and take things at their speed because we try and meet them where they are at in life. Um but we're very open that we're not a horseback riding facility. And so their goal isn't to come in and be great at barrel racing when they leave or be ready to show or do anything like that. Now, they may gain a lot of skills, and they will. They'll gain a lot of horsemanship skills and riding skills, but that's not our ultimate goal. And so we do teach a lot of horsemanship and communication and they have to brush the horses and get them ready um but we do a lot of games we do a lot of fun um things that bring joy to the kids but we do a lot of um other lessons that just teach kids more about themselves but also how to communicate with maybe their friends or their family Mm. um through the process that we do with the horses so we have one class that they take three by five cards and they have to write on all the three by five cards things that they've been called at school by peers things that um other people might see of them from the outside that are not true and then they have to put all those they duct tape them on the horses and then they go to the other side and they do the same with horses with um, talking about their horse and it could be about just horses in general, rescue horses, um, things that about their horse that may not be qualities they really like about the horse. And they take those on the other side. And then they go back and they have to switch that over to a clean slate. And they put all the things that God tells us is true about ourselves and that they know in their heart is true about themselves on the other side. And um, same with the horses. Like, what are all the amazing things that you love about your horse? What are the great things? What are things that you know are true about your horse? And it really just shows the kids, like, you may have all these things that are being brought by the world, but these are things that we know are true. And that's what's most important. Um, and kind of sticking to your what you know is true about yourself. You know, that I'm sure in some instances – that may be the first time some of these kids have ever heard that before mm-hmm. or had any sort of self-esteem building experience in their life. Well, and even thinking to themselves, like, what are some good things about myself? Like, I've never really thought about that. What are things that are admirable? What are things that I'm really good at? What are gifts that I've been given that I can use? And thinking of all those really awesome things that can outshine that stuff that's not mm-hmm. true and that is maybe not as admirable about us. It, it nudges them into a, a thought-provoking mindset where they have to think about mm-hmm. this. And in a way that some of them, a lot of them probably never have had before. Like you said, it's it's hard being a kid. It's always been hard to be a kid. But mm-hmm. nowadays with you know the technology we have in school and, uh, you know, this this self esteem crisis that we have in society, you yeah. know, the, the the fact that you are providing that in a very particular way, you know, I mean, it's it's one thing to um, to mentor kids, 
just you and them one on one. And but when you add horses into it, that's a fun fun spin on it in which they've probably never had before. So it's it from what you're telling me, it's an incredibly powerful experience mm-hmm. for a lot of these young kids. What's it like if you, you're taking 15 at a time? By the time the 12 week semester is over, you know, obviously. More, I'm sure the, the the degree of growth varies from kid to kid. Definitely. However, you know, when, when you think about some of the success stories that you have, which I'd like to, if there's any that you can share, I'd love to hear one or two. But, you know, I can't, the, the level of gratification that gives you and your husband, I can't, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, and for our volunteers too, they spend so much time with these kids and so much time investing in these kids. Um, to be able to have that is just awesome. You know, you were talking about the self-esteem that the horses bring, but gosh, the garden too. Like when you plant a seed in soil and you come back and you're harvesting vegetables and fruit from that at the end of the year, like, holy cow, we just, we did that ourselves. Mm-hmm. And look at, and now I can provide that for my family. And so last year we sent home grow bags with each kid that had a tomato plant in it. And they were able to feed their family with that and show their family what they did and be able to provide in that way. And so it's like just how powerful that can be. Um, Talking about some stories, there's two that kind of stick out to me, which it's hard for us to see. We see kids grow because especially kids that are with us for so so much time. We have a lot of kids that have been with us since the beginning. Um, And seeing that long-term growth... is really cool but we don't see them outside of the ranch that often now there's some that we have the amazing opportunity to see more often but the families are who we have to look to to kind of tell us what that growth Mm -hmm. looks like at home because they see them you know we may have absolutely no issues with them at the ranch but at home they're really really struggling in Mm -hmm. a lot of different ways and so we had a older teenager that came when we first opened and he was just going through a lot of grief and was just in such an angry place in life. Um, and it was really disrupting his home life in all facets. I mean, just was snapping and blowing up all the time and, um, becoming really aggressive. And after I think one or two semesters, his mom said, um, I've really just seen such a difference. I mean, he can communicate so much better. He's not blowing up. He's not getting angry. He's just able to communicate. Now, it took a a lot to get there. And the way that we usually deal with people who are really impatient is they get the horse that is the most difficult. (laughs) So (laughs) they may not know that at first, but that teaches patience faster than anything in the world because – they have to slow down. They don't want to harm the horse because that horse has become their best friend and they're not going to explode around them. And so, and they're not able to, but they have to learn how to slow down and we're there with them and able to walk beside them and help work through those mm-hmm. aggravating moments and that frustration. Um, and it really just has, it teaches them how to work through other situations outside of that and so that was a really cool moment um we had one this year I had reached out to the family to see if they were coming back this semester for our program and she said you know I think we're ready to open a space for somebody else on the waiting list because you know he um 
his anxiety has just reduced so much um, that I think that we've kind of seen from the program what we were really looking to get out of it, which is really cool. When you hear that, like you 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 have the the young man or young lady in mind that have gone through the program, and you, you talk to the parents mm-hmm. just like what you just said, and they say, "We you know we we think he's ready to move on." What does that feel like for you and your husband? It's it's beautiful. I mean, it's at the same time you're like, man, I really am gonna miss him being right. around, or sure. we give him other opportunities to be involved. Um, but I mean, that's what we've set out to do, and so it's really amazing to have that feedback from families of. You know, this is what this is what we're meant to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I can imagine. So, you know, you you depend on you know donations from the public or whoever to to keep this going. What about volunteers? Do y'all like if the parents want to get involved? Do, mm-hmm. do y'all allow for that or not necessarily? It really goes case by case. Um, right now, I don't think like we're pretty decent on volunteers. Unless we have another program open up or something, but right now we're good on volunteers. But you're not also not sure how long volunteers are going right. to be able to stay around. People have really crazy schedules, and so sometimes we have a volunteer that can only be with us for a semester. Other times they have been with us, you know, for four years, and mm-hmm. so it really just depends. So we're always taking volunteer applications, which are also on our website. Um, for people who just want to be involved in different ways. And some people know a lot about horses and don't know anything else. And sometimes they know absolutely nothing about horses and want to get involved. And so, um, or they want to bring their book club or Sunday school class or whatever out or just their family out to serve. Um, And so we find projects that they can do because there's always projects that need done and so they may not be involved with the kids or program really at all but are able to help serve and help us just accomplish different needs to be able to help us serve other people better sure sure that that makes sense so looking ahead you know the goal i know you said you'd like to to expand with more land Mm -hmm. at some point um in time but you know what are some other goals that y'all have as far as the the long-term vision of what you're doing beside expansion. Is there other things that you like incorporate into it? But you've already got the the equine part and the gardening part. Are there other programs that you'd like to expand I'm that into? I'm not sure, honestly, because our goals tend to change. <laughs> um, at one point, the huge goal was getting somebody to do it full time so that we could um, be able to provide more services. And I don't know that that's our main goal right now, I think like we talked about, like the land so that we can have more horses because we're really having an opportunity with more volunteers too to step up Mm -hmm. that we may be able to offer that without having to hire somebody full-time. So our goals kind of change over time. Um, In the beginning, we had talked about working with addiction recovery centers and being able to offer it also to adults. Um, I don't know if that's something that we'll ever get around to and ever have space for just because the children's program has taken up so much and the need is so big there. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I mean, we have we have goals, but sometimes they change. Sure. And, and you know, there, there's so much potential there yeah. for whatever y'all want to try to pursue. Uh, but at the same time, the what y'all are providing right now to, to these kids, it's just it's it's almost too wonderful for words because you know agriculture it was something that a hundred years ago 
That's what people do. It was just the common part of our existence. Mm-hmm. That's what we used to do. But we've gotten so far away from that. Oh, absolutely. Where these, you know, kids 100 years ago, it was, that was just part of everyday life. Mm-hmm. How to survive. But again, we've gotten so far from that where these kids have never, the concept of gardening is foreign to them. For sure. In every way, shape, and form. So the fact that. When you ask them where their food comes from, it's Kroger. <laughs> you know, that comes yeah. from the grocery store. So showing them how it's provided and being able to even like we have an herb garden as well and being able to use the herbs to make like medicinal things is really cool for them mm-hmm. um it's but it's also so far removed from their lives um and we try and say you know 15 kids for us doesn't seem like a lot either and so we're like we just need to focus on the 15 that we have and focus on the quality and the impact that we can give to those kids over how many kids that we can serve right now. Sure, because I, I can imagine you would growing is a, a wonderful goal to have, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to sacrifice the the quality mm-hmm. and the intentionality of the exactly. kids you already have have. And so. so at some point, we would love to be able to open it up for more kids. Um, through different areas. It's just finding that time and space. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. What y'all are doing, again, it's, it's oh, it's, oh, it's a beautiful thing. The fact you are combining, you know, a, a kingdom work with, with exposing these kids to something that is necessary for our existence, mm-hmm. you know, where our food comes from. But just the fact you're giving them that simple experience and being able to dig into the soil with their hands and move around and plant a seed which ultimately turns into a, a fruit of some sort that you can harvest or a vegetable. It's just, I can't commend you all enough for what you're doing. Um, and I, I, I got to pay you a compliment. I saw a picture of you somewhere. I don't know where it was, but you were with one of your horses and you had braided one of their manes. And I, you, and I can't remember if your hair was braided to match it or not. <laughs> you look like you had just ridden off a Viking warship somewhere in northern europe and you were about to go conquer it was the coolest looking picture i've ever seen so i'm thinking if i had you know if i was in a situation where one of my children or somebody i knew would would benefit from what y'all are doing i'm taking it right there where that lady (laughs) is is it it's just truly the i mean all all you know Silliness aside, yeah. which I'm not being silly. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean that genuinely. It. Uh, it's just really a wonderful thing what you're doing. And um, what do you, of course, you need donations to keep this mm-hmm. going. You have to have help. But is there anything else that y'all need in particular? Is there a certain item that y'all need that maybe you're short of? Or A lot of the horse products, of course, like the horses being our main focus, our main need. We, most of our funds go to taking care of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Bags of soil for, we're going to send them home, the kids home with grow bags again this semester. So like 15 bags of soil that can go home with them. Um, We start our own seeds and everything. So we have all of that. But, you know, horse fly spray. We go through a lot of that in the summer too. Um, So there are like, there are horse products and there are other products too. I guess those Mm -hmm. are the two big things that stick out to me. The bags of soil really, um, that gets costly really quick. Mm -hmm. And so if people are able to buy a bag of soil, you know, for a grow bag, 
that is really helpful for us when you're looking at $10 a bag. Sure. So um, bag soil, we live in Tennessee, so horses have issue with thrush, and so we use hoof supplements like Thrush Buster and stuff like that. And then um, we use your all's feed from here. We get either Tribute or Pinnacle. We just switch back to Tribute because you all are able to carry it. But feed's expensive too. Um, so donations that go towards that are farrier costs, vet costs, you know, all of those things. There's a lot of input. into play for our programs. Right. I mean, they have to be they have to be stewarded well yeah. and taken care of, and it takes several inputs mm-hmm. to do that. Um, what about, you know, we, we underestimate the power of prayer. Is there anything in particular we could be praying for y'all for? I didn't A- aside pr- from things that, like, we've already talked about, we have prayed that at some point we're able to find somebody um, to help transport a couple different kids that really need to be in our program but don't have transportation. Mm. And it's a very specific thing, but um, it could be really beneficial in the future for us, especially for the kids that are more of our inner city kids because they don't, they just don't have the family support to be able sure. to, to bring them, and they really need to be in our program and really have enjoyed our program. So at some point we're hoping that, um, a couple comes along that we might be able to trust to do that may not really know what else we do in our pro- sure. program or be able to volunteer in that way that are able to just help with those type of needs and projects and things. It's it's a simple thing, but it could be incredibly mm-hmm. impactful exactly. to the kids you're talking about. Okay. Um, well, I, listen, I know you got to get back, uh, get back to the extension office down there, but uh, for people that are interested, I know you have a website, redemptionranch.org or .com. Redemptionranchtn.com. Okay. And then we mostly update like our social media. So our Instagram and our Facebook. This winter, we have, I have honestly been horrible at updating it. In previous, up to this time, I've been amazing at keeping up with social media, but this winter has been really hard for me to keep up with that, but that is where we post everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are constantly posting pictures from our program and everything that's going on. Um, and then we do have, we have a lot of information on our website, but the day-to-day stuff is really on our social media. Well, your website's beautiful. Like I said, I, I studied it. it and looked at it and tried to educate myself the best I could. And, and the social media side, is that the same th- Redemption Ranch mm-hmm. TN? Yes. Okay. Yeah, on both of those. Excellent. Well, Hannah, I don't want to hold you up any longer. Um, I really, really, really appreciate you coming up here to do this. And again, I can't emphasize enough the, the, the work that y'all are doing. Uh, y'all are y'all are blessing a lot of people, and I imagine it's going to have a ripple effect long after you're gone. So, you know. We definitely hope so. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate yes, it. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um Well, everybody, we hope you appreciated listening to this episode. Be sure to tune in next week for another one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Grazing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and come pay us a visit at Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op.